Welcome to the Refuge Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Matthew Klein. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit myrefuge.ca. We're going to continue on the line of being led by the Spirit or a life led by the Spirit. And uh, right now we're, we're really talking about that. And I'm, I might touch on tonight, I'm not quite sure which way the Lord's going to push it tonight. Um, my heart was kind of open because there's different directions I can take it at this point. Um, and, and so I might talk a little bit about um, spiritual warfare tonight, a little bit, and, and we'll see how it goes. Um, but what is most important to me as we're doing this is I want to go over and over again and talk about what it means to be a believer whose life is led by the Spirit. And so in, in doing that, we naturally are then talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because you must be born of Spirit to be able to walk in the things of the Spirit. The problem is that we have, in, in the North American culture, we have separated the event of the baptism of the Holy Spirit away from the point of belief. And we need to reteach and gain a new understanding that when people come to believe in Christ, it should be at that time they get baptized in the Spirit, not later on, years and years later, when they've been taught a hundred bad things um, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So just by a show of hands, I'd like to know how many of you um, grew up or have been involved with churches or ministries that either preached against the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or made it weird, or just never talked about it at all? I just want to see a show of hands. Raise them high, and you guys look around, okay? So, so that's quite a percentage of our group, and so it is very common. There's lots of, in fact, even in, in some denominations, they will teach that it's even demonic, um, which, is, which is terrifying to me, um, and yet, and yet, the same group will admit that the, the majority of mission work done in the world is done by spirit-filled believers. We create all the worship music in the church almost exclusively. There's almost an exclusive brand on worship by spirit-filled believers or believers that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this should be commonplace for all Christians, but it has not been. It has been taught against. Now, I want you to understand this. There is a very large reason of why that has been the case. And the, the reason is, is that darkness and the enemy is completely terrified of this power that the believers have. Because without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Christian faith has no power we become powerless. The Bible says we have a form of godliness, but then deny the power. That's an actual scripture. There's a form of godly behavior, and we act, try to act godly, but then we deny the real power, because typically what happens in, in some of our churches is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit requires some humility on your part, you see. This is specifically why Jesus said that unless you become childlike, you will never enter kingdom things because it requires a bending of the knee of your will. It requires some humility to do it. This is why scripture says that God gives grace to the humble, grace to come into the kingdom and see him, and then he resists the proud. See, part of the problem in church is that Jesus said that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and that he is the door. 
right? We have this picture of Jesus being like a door. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, but, but he is actually the door. And, and the question is, to what? What is Jesus the door to? See, when Jesus is saying to you, I am the way, he's saying, I am the way for you to move through into the kingdom. But you got to move through me to go in. But you are meant to go in to the kingdom things. Now, the problem is, too, we've made kingdom about heaven. And we were saying last week how kingdom can't be heaven because of the Lord's prayer. Lord, let your kingdom come on the earth as it is in heaven. So it tells you right away that kingdom and heaven are different. And so we're praying that what is going on in the heavenlies in God's realm would, would come to fruition and life and bear its fruit here on the earth, which is rightness in the world, God setting things right, like slavery, like abuse, like violence, and erasing it. Poverty, starvation, all of those things are not right in the world, and God wants to make them right. He wants to bring peace in the world and joy in the world via the Holy Spirit, it says. It doesn't leave that out. It is through God's Holy Spirit that that happens. But I want to be very clear that Jesus is a doorway to the kingdom. But here's the problem. The entire church in North America, not all churches, but the majority of churches have then just built a bunch of condos and high-rises here outside the door. That's what we've done. We camp outside the door, and we point to Jesus, and we talk about Jesus, and this is what we were doing the other week. We talked about Jesus, or are we in? Are you an about believer? Are you in? And there's a lot of talk about, and not a lot of talk about being in Christ. And so, in order to be in, you've got to walk in. You've got to go in the door. But we've just camped out at the door, and we admire the door, and we love the door, and we sing songs about the door, and we sing songs about being around the door and being really close to the door, but we don't go in the door. We kind of stay on the outside. But Jesus is saying, look, I'm the way in. I'm the truth about what's in there. The scriptures say that the fullness of God, the fullness of deity is found in Christ. The fullness of who God is is seen in Jesus. And so when you see Jesus dining with sinners, that is fully God dining with sinners. When you see Jesus picking the prostitute or the harlot off the ground and saying, I don't condemn you, it is God in his fullness saying, I don't condemn you. When he's forgiving the Pharisees from the cross, it is the fullness of God forgiving the Pharisees at the cross. And when they're forgiven, they're forgiven. You see, we, we kind of think, oh, Jesus forgave them there, but then he burns them in hell later. Right? Because, like, if anybody deserves to go to hell, it'd be the people who killed Jesus, right? You kind of qualify. Like, because there's atheists, and then there's people who drive nails in Christ's hands. Like, it's a, it's a step beyond just I don't believe in you to I, I, I see you, I know who you are, and I still want you dead, right? And so forgiveness even comes to them because the full expression of who God is is forgiving them at the cross, and they're forgiven, period. So what do I mean when I'm saying that we camp out at the door? We build our Bible schools at the door. 
We build churches at the door. And we talk about Christ, but we are scared to go in. Because guess what happens through this door? That's what's required. You have to die. Unless the seed goes into the ground and dies, it can't bear fruit in the kingdom. You have to be born of water and of spirit. And spirit baptism is fire baptism, and fire typically kills you, especially when you're immersed into it. You see, this is the picture of death and resurrection, burial and resurrection, and we'll get to the scripture about that in a minute. But you have to die. You have to leave your stuff at the door because Jesus goes, we don't need your stuff where we're going. You've got to let it go. Your hopes, your dreams, what you think your life could have been that you are so desperately clinging on to. I remember years ago, I was, uh, <laughs> I was questioning the Lord about stuff, and, and we had no money at the time. We're really struggling, and everything's a struggle, and we don't know what we're going to do. And the, the, the ch- I had left the church we were at, and I didn't have a job, and we have no money, and I'm scared. And, and I felt the Lord saying, I need you to come in deeper with me. And I said, well, I, I'm really scared because, and he goes, what are you afraid of? Why won't you just let go and come in? I'm like, well, I said, to be honest, I just have this fear that if I just completely give my life over to you, that I'll end up poor and broke and destitute and, and I'll just be serving Jesus. And he goes, but you're already there. <laughs> and you know, it was so weird because it was like a huge epiphany for me. Yeah. He's like, you got your fear. You've been afraid of it, and the fruit of your faith, because the Bible says, let it be done to a man or woman according to their belief. So a man believes in his heart, so is he. And I was afraid that my life would be reduced to nothing if I really let go and serve Jesus. And he goes, and here you are. So what are you afraid of? You've already lost everything. It's not working out. You're not doing a good job holding on. So level up come in, let's go deeper. Now, I, I want to suggest to you, there's probably multiple doors of Christ as you go into this one. There isn't just one. The Lord, every once in a while, say, okay, we got a new door you need to walk through, because there's deeper kingdom revelations for you. There's deeper things in the Spirit that you aren't ready to hear on day one. There are lots of things you're not ready to hear day one, or day two, or day 10,075. You, like, sometimes as you go deeper, the Lord will reveal more things to you because at the current place you're at, you, you won't understand it, and you would probably rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Because huh? there's sometimes God will say stuff to you at your current position that you will just think is the devil because it won't make sense to your understanding right now, so he doesn't share those yet. So what I mean when we camp out here is because we have resisted the baptism of the Spirit, we have resisted the Holy Spirit of God, and we've just said, oh yeah, it just happens when we dunk you in water. When you get dunked in water, you've confessed your faith, and then you just get the Holy Spirit at that time. But my experience is, and from talking to hundreds and hundreds of Christians, that doesn't happen all the time. There are some times that people will be water baptized and get filled with the Spirit at the same time because I've heard stories of people coming out of the water speaking in tongues, okay, because they believe and the grace of God extends to them. But for other people, it doesn't happen because it's not part of what their culture of belief is. 
My mom years ago um, was, uh, had a friend, and she was praying for them. They got sick, and they died. And my mom was upset and questioning the Lord about it and said, why didn't that person get healed in this situation? <laughs> and, and the Lord spoke to her and said, because the church that they went to don't, doesn't believe in healing. That's not my doing. I would love to, but they don't believe I even do that today. They, they say it's a dispensation that only happened during the time of the disciple to kickstart the gospel, and now we don't need healing anymore, <laughs> you know, and so it doesn't happen anymore. Now we have the Bible instead, right? So if you're really sick or you've got depression or emotions, you've got a Bible, you don't really need the Holy Spirit for those things. Just read your Bible. And let me tell you, it just, it's not good for that. You need the Holy Spirit just to give you revelation of the scriptures, Amen. let alone everything else. You, you, just, you need him just for that. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is when we push him out, we get really close to the kingdom. And, and the reason this happens is the enemy is thrilled to encourage people to stay here. So if you imagine you're a pilgrim and you come to Christ and, and you see the kingdom and there's all this talk and, and it was wild. Um, Myron and I were out for coffee this week. And Myron, you don't know this, but when, when Myron left, this gentleman, uh, I think he was a Scottish gentleman, um, waved me over to his table, and he said, C -c come here. So I came over there, and he goes, um, he goes, were you talking about the spirit over there? I'm like, um, hmm, yes, yes, we were. I'm like, yeah, I don't know the context of what you think. And he's like, yeah, I want to know more about the spirit and baptism because I've just come to Jesus and I've, I've been looking for a church and he goes, I've been reading the Bible and I've been going to church and he goes, it was good for a while, but now I'm thinking there's something more and I didn't know what that was till I heard you talking and I'm like, that's what it is. It's, it's Holy Spirit baptism. I need that. So we, we started to converse, and I gave him some information. So. And it's just amazing, right? But the enemy is all too happy that he stands here like a carny at the door of Jesus. And when people come, they, they get curious about power, and he goes, oh, no, it's all good, it's all good. In heaven, there'll be lots of power. And in the end, Jesus returns, and he has all the power, and it's all about Jesus, and all the glory will go to Jesus, and he's going to do everything. So you don't need to worry about it, because soon, soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Come on, everyone. And the devil leads us in chorus. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Don't do anything. Soon and very soon. Right? And so he convinces all the Christians that you don't actually need to do anything. Just hang out, wait for rapture, don't worry about it. Jesus will fix it all when he comes back. The job's too big and the devil's way too powerful. You just go to church. And he's happy for these churches to work out because they actually do nothing. They do nothing. My brother-in-law and I were talking about it last night and I, I just said, I don't know how grown adults bear the nothingness of what is shoveled out at so many churches. I heard a famous Christian speaker just this morning in, in an audience of maybe five, 6,000 people online, like over a million people are watching. And he said, the Holy Spirit told me to speak on the book of Revelations twice, and it came heavy. And he said, I turned to chapter 3 about the church 
in Sardis. And he goes, and it wasn't really for that church. It's for us. And he said, because they look successful. And he goes, how many churches out there look successful? And people are cheering. Yeah. He goes, but they, they don't have Christ. They're ignoring Christ. But they seem successful on the outside. And you can just feel the weight of that sermon crushing everyone in the room. And people are cheering because they like the crushing feeling. We like to feel bad about ourselves. We're like, oh, it was heavy in there. And I've said this before. The conviction of the Spirit was great in that place. But this is what is so troubling to me. Because I said to Victoria, I said, so let's say you're a pastor and you've just attended this conference. Famous author. And you've gone, okay, okay, that's right. So I'm leading this church and we, we do good worship and it's successful, it seems, but we don't, our focus really isn't on Jesus, so we have to focus on Jesus more. And I said, if you were a pastor, and you went to that church, and you heard that, what would you do on Monday morning at your staff meeting? How would you focus on Jesus more? I mean, you're already singing songs about Jesus, you're preaching on Jesus, you're handing out Bibles to everyone, you have Jesus suppers, alpha groups, you know, you're baptizing people, handing out communion in Jesus' name, you know, you're handing out Jesus bumper stickers, what would Jesus do, bracelets. I mean, what would you do? How would you make it more about Christ if you've already been doing all that stuff? And you wouldn't know. So you'd sit there going, well, I wonder if I am or not, and I wonder if God's happy with my church or not, or if he's angry at my church, and I just don't know. Maybe I'm blind, maybe I'm deceived, and I think the Lord likes my church, but the more I think he likes my church, maybe I'm just a narcissist and he doesn't really like my church, and I'm one of those ones that are deceived that aren't focused on Christ, but it's all about me. And that's heavy. And so most pastors don't know what to do with that, so then they just dump that all on the people. You need to be more like Christ. I think we're doing our best, but you better figure it out. And then everybody feels heavy, and they blame it on their kids, you know, or whatever, or their spouse. And all you feel in the room is guilt and condemnation weighing us down. But there's no true information about how do I be more like Christ? How do I do that? How do I, do I just, you know, go, today is going to be more like a Jesus day. You wear your big Jesus pants and you put on your Jesus shirt and, and you just smile at everybody. Hi, how are you? Great. Bless you. Be with blessings of joy and peace in Jesus' name. And you just smile at your boss and you just bring him coffee. And then you get bad news and it all crumbles. And you, or you, you, something bad happens and you swear and you're like, oh yeah, it was unwholesome today and it's sinful and oh God, forgive me and I'll try again tomorrow. And it's just all this effort to be more like Jesus. And then the whole church is trying to do that and, and, and guess what? Everyone's failing at it. Everyone's failing at that. And nobody tells each other because you can't. You don't want to be judged by the people in the room who are all trying to dial it up in Jesus' name because they don't want to be the church of Sardis. They, and boy, wait till you get to the chapter of Revelation about the Laodicean church. Oof. Then it's lukewarm and God's vomiting. And you don't want to be the vomit people. You know, the people that give God the flu. You don't want to be that group. That's scary. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He gets a free pass. 
Matt's right about this. In the Old Testament, we have the Jordan River. Uh, makes you nervous, and so I won't <laughs> Israelites were camped here with their condos. Yeah. They didn't want to go across the Jordan into the promised land. This was the door into the promised land, into all that God had, the spirit here. They didn't want to do that because of fear of the giants that were yeah. in that land. Yeah. They had to die to their own fear. They had to die to their own opinion. They had to die of their fear, their unbelief. They had to die to that. Their pride kept them out, but God wanted to move them in. And we can stay out on this side of the Jordan, or we can go across and believe God to take care of the enemies or the giants that are holding us back. Yeah. God told the Israelites, I'm not going to defeat your enemies in one year. Matt said, you're going to go through many doors, mm -hmm. but this is the door, the main door. You're going to go through different things, and then the door is going to open up. Because when you try to trust God, he's going to open up other doors for you. And he said, I'm not going to defeat your enemies in one year, lest to be the land be taken over by, um, uh, by beasts wild and wild animals. And yeah. But step by step, I'm going to take you in to the things of me, to the things of the spirit. Amen. Very good. I wanted that for the, old, for the Israelites. He wants that for us. Yeah, very good. And so what happens is because of fear, we camp. We camp. So the main focus of the believer in the evangelical church in North America is behavior. Right? We just want to behave. And we try better to be more like Christ. But nobody's thinking thoughts like, how do I drill down and rid my life of anxiety because God's good and it shouldn't be there? How do I drill down and rid my life of depression because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there shouldn't be this depression. It's not God's desire. Why don't I seem to ever be able to get forward in my life and I always struggle financially because God's good and this shouldn't be my reality. And instead of asking those questions, we play church on the wrong side of the door and this is all a facade. It's fake. It's a carnival and there's nothing real. Everyone's sitting around eating cotton candy, making themselves feel better, and yet they're all terrified and miserable. Why the churches grow when there is no baptism of the Holy Spirit is because they're all terrified, so they huddle together like little children. They're huddling, because the more of you there are together, then it's like, we're right, see, and, and we will be saved from the world, because we all believe together, right? There's safety in numbers. The fact that you're here means you're not struggling with that. <laughs> <laughs> Here you're willing to take a bold step across the Jordan because the masses aren't here. You took the blue pill. Took the blue pill. I love that. <laughs> Everyone here has taken the blue pill. <laughs> uh, that's very good, Trent. And so because of fear, we're not willing to go in. 
When I was at Circle Square Ranch, I was telling you guys a story of that girl that got delivered. And there was a girl there who had been involved in a, in a witch coven, and I've heard this story multiple times. And she said, we get sent here to camps like this. They have to be camps that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or Bible schools that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or churches that do because it's the only way we can really test it because as we feel the Spirit of God start to come, we start to chant and go through our our chanting rituals and our Babylonian rituals that we've learnt. And the one girl was drawing symbols in the dirt to try to focus because they have to endure a camp or a spiritual experience where the Holy Spirit is present. And almost always they fail, they crack. This girl did, she was doodling in the dirt because I remember the the event happening and years later uh, she became a counselor at the camp. And she said, and finally, I just couldn't resist it. The power of the Spirit was so strong and I could feel the love of God just hitting me and hitting me and I broke and started screaming and they delivered her. This was a different girl, same night. See, the enemy is terrified about the power of God. I, I was praying for somebody the, um, not too long ago about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I said, you have now become weaponized. See, and the devil's terrified of that. Weaponized believers, because you are a threat to his kingdom. You are a threat to that, and you are a double threat when you understand the gospel of grace. When you understand the power of the inclusiveness of the gospel of grace, and you become baptized in God's spirit, then there is really nothing that can get in your way. There is nothing that kind of can stand in your way. Myron, you want to come up and share? I'll just grab this mic. Ryan, can you... Chuck this on. And you don't just be as long as you want, you don't have to. Yeah. Am I on? Am I on? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to set it up a bit? (laughs) So so Myron's been with our church for a very long time. And then he took a long holiday (laughs) that they haven't been here. And we've just continued to pray. And and it's been interesting from my perspective, because I said to him when he came in the other week, the Lord said to me um, when when I was praying and just asking about growing the church, and I think I was sharing this to you guys, he said, Matt, they're not going to come for your teaching. And that was very disappointing. Um, He said, people are going to come for the power. He said, that's how they followed me when I walked through Galilee. People didn't come to hear my teaching. People came because they knew sick people were getting healed. They knew I did stuff, and that's why they came. But then they stayed for the teaching. And he said, they'll stay for your teaching, but that's not why they'll come. You've been, you've been promoting the wrong side. You've been promoting your teaching, and nobody cares. Nobody gives a crap about what you're teaching. Because people care about their problems, right? And so me doing a nine-week series on the end times in hell, nobody really cares, all right? just the nerds in here that care. But, right, but most of it, most people who are going through pain and hardship and don't know how to pay the bills and are overcome by anxiety and depression and terrified and fear, they don't care. They don't care. They need power, right? So the Lord said, if you start preaching power and you start moving into the things of my spirit that you know you should have already been doing, he said, I will draw people in here. And so as I started doing that, Myron showed up again after not being here for a long time, so I'll let you go. uh, Yeah, I haven't been here for 
Well, I've been here. The, this is my third week back now. Yeah. And we're still and happy I, you're here. And I <laughs> uh, haven't been here but prior to that for probably seven, well, since July. Yeah. However long that is. Yeah. It's, it's a long time. Um, <clears throat> and my lovely wife has been a very gracious to me. And she, she, she we would have been here many, many we would have been here in August, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> yeah. if it was up to her, but um, she didn't want to go without me, and she really wanted, uh, she wanted me to want to come, and I wasn't able to come, um, just because I, I have struggled with depression for uh, the, ma the vast majority of my life, since I was about 13, I think, um, I've, I've battled with depression, and it, it goes up and down in waves, obviously. So uh, about seven months ago, I started to feel this prison in the side, and it's mm. very hard uh, to be blunt. Um, anyway, so like Matt was saying, he was talking about, he was thinking about me, and he was he was changing the what he was saying here. And, and me at home, I was saying I don't need to go to church because I know what he's going to say. I've heard it before. Uh, <laughs> and nothing is changing. I'm exactly the same, and I will never, ever defeat depression. I just endure my life until yeah. the end. And uh, that's really depressing. <laughs> 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 So he's, he's fond of making plans for everything that I need to do. You, you make a plan and then you stick to that. Like you, you prepare ahead of time so that you're able to actually accomplish what you, what you want to do. And so he said, just, he said, go to church with, with your wife. And he said, it doesn't have to be anything more than you're going to church because you love your wife and she wants you to go with her to church. And he said, it doesn't have to be anything more than that. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, bring your phone, play, you know, on your phone if you need to, or bring a sketchbook and draw or whatever, but, but just go. And so, so then that, that Sunday, we came, and Victoria uh, was talking about worshiping and, and just reckless abandonment in, in, in worship. And... <clears throat> I didn't want to be here, um, and I stood stock still, and I didn't open my mouth, and I didn't, nothing. It was very hard to be here, um, <laughs> putting it bluntly, I mean, I've talked to you, and I'm not going to go into details, but it was, just say, it, it was extremely difficult for me to be here, and, but I did it, and then the next week, then Ryan came up, and uh, and he talked about you know trusting God to he was he was really talking about praying in the spirit. At least this is what I heard from from you, Ryan, was that 
he was talking about praying in the spirit and being willing to go places that are uncomfortable and trusting God that if you just show up, God will show up. And I, I kind of thought, well, that's what I'm doing. Um, I'm coming here and I'm, and I'm, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just showing up and hoping that God will show up. Mm-hmm. And he did for two weeks <laughs> for me, right? Coming here two weeks in a row. And then I, I went home and, and on uh, Thursday, we Thursday, did, yeah. Yeah. So Thursday, Thursday, I had an absolutely horrific night. And uh, at about four o'clock in the morning, I, I got up and I did what I sometimes do to try and relax myself is I'll, I go over to the hot tub and I just sit and look at the stars and try and relax. And it wasn't working. <laughs> um, and I was, I just wasn't, my mind was racing with anxiety and depression and, and I couldn't get any relief whatsoever. And, and then at some point I remembered Ryan and Victoria, uh, what they had said the two Sundays previous. And, and so I said, okay, God, I <laughs> have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to pray in the spirit for you, even though I have absolutely no clue what I'm doing. And even though I think I'm an idiot, at least I'm in the dark in the backyard. Everyone else is asleep <laughs> in the neighborhood and I can... I can do this on my own and hopefully you will get something out of this because <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, it seems so futile. Yeah. I, I, but I was at my wits end, really. I was at the, I didn't know what else to do. And so I decided, okay, why not? Why not take a chance? And so I literally just started in my head just, babbling really and um, and uh, I told you um, uh, after a little all of a sudden my entire body started to tingle with goosebumps and and you have to remember I'm in a hot tub I was completely <laughs> submerged in a hot tub so I'm very warm and yet my entire body was covered in goosebumps and it was like I was cold like a good kind of um, goosebumps but it was really weird and honestly it happened like all of a sudden and it was just all over my like my body and and my initial thought was holy expletive um, <laughs> because i didn't expect that um but i just kept going and and then at some point and again i told matthew this when we went out that morning <clears throat> i found myself repeating the same phrase over and over and uh and then it was like I heard God say to me, the phrase that I was saying, it was like he translated it for me. And in my head, I heard him say, Myron, you don't see my eyes, but my eyes see everything. And that for me was really big because I, I thought, okay, like I don't see the big picture. I see the moment. Yeah. Of, of what I'm trying to deal with and not overcoming 
and and but God knows it's a journey, mm-hmm. and um, damn, you, like you just said here, God's not going to fix everything on day one. Mm-hmm. It's but he, it's a process, and and I I step through the door mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. That's, yeah. So. That's awesome, buddy. Thanks. That's really good. That's <laughs> So I want to underscore what's interesting is that had nothing to do with my teaching. <laughs> it's because Victoria shared and Ryan shared. And so what's so fast, he doesn't remember a thing. I, and I, all I did was preach on the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. And he, that didn't key. And so the Lord, in such a comic relief way, said, see, I told you, it has nothing to do with your teaching. But because I'm praying, the power showed up and moves when Victoria's sharing and moves, when Ryan's sharing, he said, so the power changed him and it didn't have a single thing to do with what came out of your mouth. Huh? So him showing up and that happening encouraged and confirmed to me, which is what spirit work does. It starts networking and confirming and you're like, hey, I got that. And, and you know, it was neat. I, and, and he didn't share this. I came up to him because I was up here and I was like, I should get Myron to share. I think that's maybe what the Lord wants. So I went back and I said, Hey, w- would you would you consider sharing? Like, I know it's kind of sensitive. You're just like going through this. And he goes, oh, "That's really interesting," because I felt I was supposed to share, but I said, "Lord, I won't share unless Matt comes and asks me." <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty cool, right? And so, what happens is that you have giants. You have giants. There's giants in your land, right? And there are giants on the other side of that door too, right? trying to get you to not even get into that door and then stop you from proceeding doors. But let me say this to you, as we're running out of time tonight, but let me say this, is that spiritual warfare and what you engage, I want to take some of the fear quotient out of it for you. It's not as if there are some big, huge things out there holding back your blessing, holding back your joy, holding back your peace, holding back your healing, There aren't those things out there, wild-looking creatures. There are wild-looking creatures, but they're not holding back your stuff that way. So your battle isn't out there. Your battle is in here, right? Because his struggle, how the enemy is dealing with Myron and how he's attacking him is saying, you don't need to go to church. It's not going to make any difference in your life. You don't need to be around these people. It'll be okay. Just continue to do what you're doing. And then when he's here, it's like, you need to go. You shouldn't be here. This isn't good for you. This isn't helping you. You see, that the enemy deals with here in your mind. So when you are discouraged and you're like, I can't even pray right now. I'm upset with God. And, and that should be a natural state. When you are moving through to defeat Goliath, your natural, what, what, where I teach you guys is that there's no sense in being mad at the devil. Start with being mad at God. Start there. Because he has all the power. So let's just be honest about it. There's no sense of being mad at the devil. He doesn't have any power. God's got all the power. So your issue is between you and the Lord. That's where your issue is. And so you have to say, God, I know you're good. I know you're good. And that, you saying that is spiritual warfare. When you just say, Satan, the Lord will deal with you. 
Enemy, God's going to deal with you. The Lord is going to rebuke you. My focus must be on Jesus. My focus must be walking through that door into the things of the Spirit by praying in the Spirit and bringing adoration and glory to Jesus. And as I venerate God and as I worship God and I make him big in my eyes, which is what brought breakthrough for Myron, he said, you don't see my eyes, my eyes see everything. And when, when God is illuminated in your mind's eye and when you see him for what he is, then everything else starts to become diminished and small. If you engage the enemy in hand-to-hand combat, he will seem large to you. He will seem big. In some ways, you have to trust the Lord enough to turn your back on your enemy and just focus on Jesus. And as you begin to focus on him and move into the Spirit through praying in the Spirit, and as you do that, the Lord will become magnified in your eyes and everything else starts to diminish. It starts to become smaller and insignificant. And there's been days that I have been very depressed and there's been days I've been very discouraged at the same time. And I've thought, Lord, I'm upset with you. I don't know where you are. I feel lost. I feel confused. I feel like the enemy's hitting me every which way to Wednesday. I, I, I don't know up from down. I said to Victoria, I said, the analogy I can give you is it's like being plunged deep in the ocean and you have like three seconds to decide whether you swim up or down, but you don't know where the surface is because you've lost your bearings, right? You guys ever felt like you lost your bearings? And so you feel like you lose your bearings, and it's like, if I swim up and the surface is down, I'm going to die, right? Like, if I make the wrong decision about how I'm going to deal with this, I might not survive it. And so in those times, there are some days I, 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 don't, I don't do well. I just go, well, Lord, I can't pray today, and so I Netflix, right? As I, I, walk in, I walk in Netflix instead of the Spirit. I just go, I, I don't have the energy to do this today, so I'm going to find a good series and just watch, you know, watch zombies or something, kill each other, and maybe I'll feel better about my life. But God's gracious. That's okay. That's okay. That's what you have to do one day. And the next day, Lord, just give me grace. And you can be mad at God and still ask him for grace. Huh? He can handle it. God can handle you being upset with him. Most people are upset with him. He's gotten used to it. He's not threatened by it. And so... In other days, then I'll say, Lord, I just, I'm upset with you. I don't even really want to talk to you, but I need your grace for a moment. And then I'll just put on the worship music, and I'll just start to listen, and then slowly it starts to affect me. Because let me tell you something, music is spiritual. We're going to have a whole talk about that in the next coming weeks. We, you don't realize how spiritual music is. It, in some ways, it's a gateway into the things of the Spirit, depending on what you're listening to. You, you, will, you will gateway into some kind of spirit. Okay, well, we're going to talk about that. But as I put on that music and start to listen, it's like it starts to focus you, right? Instead of your thoughts being random and all over the place, as you begin to worship the Lord, your thoughts start to come into alignment and, you, and, and, and things start to become clear. And then as you begin to pray in the Spirit along with the worship going on, it's amazing the clarity and the focus that begins to happen in your mind. You're like, and there's been times that I walk out and I go, what was I depressed about again? Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, yeah, that was dumb. Why am I worried about that? God is more than able. He's already conquered all this stuff. He's already conquered death, hell, and the grave. So why am I worried about a bill? Right? 
Like when you really boil it down, why am I worried about what this person thinks of me when the Almighty has already said I found favor with you? That you can boldly come into my presence, that you are a royal priest in my kingdom. What does it matter what Bob thinks of you or what your kids might think of you in a moment of anger or teenage rage? It doesn't matter in that moment because the Lord is with you and he has you and he believes in you and he is for you and not against you. And so when you have that, then your focus changes. The giants we have are the giants in our minds and they are set against us to discourage us and to blind you from seeing the goodness of God. And even though I preach and teach on grace and the goodness of God, in days when I come under that kind of spiritual attack, it's like you get blinded from it. You forget it. You're like, well, God's good to everybody else. What's my problem? (laughs) You know, and you have those moments. And that's okay. You don't need to think I'm losing my faith. You're only losing a moment, not your entire faith, right? And so you can just work through that in that moment. Just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, just give me grace in this moment and begin to push through and begin to push through. And that's one of the ways that we walk through this door. Anyway, so I didn't have time to go through a lot of scripture, but I loved that we got to hear from lots of people tonight. That was really, I think that was the Lord. So we'll continue to next week. So next week, kind of come cued. I'm going to go through lots of verses last, or, or next week because I want to really set a foundation for the baptism spirit. And then next week, we're going to pray with people after the service, okay? And so if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray for you. And we're just going to take a, a, a deal of time. So just be prepared for that. And we'll release the ones of you who are like, I'm good, I got it. And maybe next year, you know, that's fine. You can get it next year and you could go. Uh, lots of, it, so there's no pressure, right? There's no pressure. God, God's a gentleman. He, de- he didn't want to freak people out, but it, it, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. I'll leave you with this analogy, which I s- shared with the Scottish guy. I said to him, because he was like, so what, what is it with the Spirit? And I said, well, um, you know stuff about building. And he said, yeah. I said, so imagine trying to build a whole house with no power tools. Imagine you have to lift all the shingles onto the roof by hand with a ladder. And you have to saw every board by hand, right? So not only is that exhausting and hard, but it would take forever. And if you think the mission is to build a thousand condos, that's your calling, you give up about day four. Because you think, I'm doing it alone. It's too hard of work. How am I going to do all this? But being baptized in the Spirit is literally like having a work crew and they all have power tools. And you're just like sawing stuff, zipping, and a crane comes and drops off the shingles, and you're like just telling people what to do. Okay, you put that on, you do the plumbing. Actually, I don't have to do anything. I just supervise. Actually, I'm going to have a hot dog and just watch. And being baptized in the Spirit is so much like that because the Spirit of God goes to work as you abide and pray. He, you're yoked to Him, and He does all the heavy lifting. And so it's very profound. Instead of you working yourself to the bone, getting exhausted and tired in your faith and giving up. And that's why so many Christians quit and give up because they're trying to live a supernatural life in the natural. And so if you think, Victoria said this so good the other night, if you think praying in tongues is weird, if you think babbling before God is weird, let me tell you what's weirder. Thinking you can live a supernatural life with no supernatural power, that's weird. That's weird. You believe in one spirit that comes and fills you to empower you to do life, and you're trying to do it without that. That's tough. It's tough work. God still loves you. 
You're still saved, but it's tough. It's a tough go, and you don't have the emotional interaction with the gospel that you should. You don't feel it. You, you know it. You experience it in the mind, but you don't experience it in the body. Like Myron's saying, I had a physical response, and we've seen so many people have physical responses. We've seen people, we pray with them, and I've watched people get absolutely drunk from us praying for them. We've just prayed for them, ministered to them, and we've had to, my dad will remember this when we were in Boness, we had to carry one guy out of the building. And he was kind of a, a little bit of a gruff guy, and he had never experienced that, and he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we literally carried him out because it was like he was drunk. He was like, I love you, man. And he had his arms around us, and he kissed me on the face. I'm like, dude, what? You know, he's just like, and it's just not like him to do that. But he was just like, this is amazing, you know. And that's why when Peter's preaching, he goes, don't suppose these men are drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. There was a reason he was saying that. Because when you get set free and you feel all that joy, Paul said the same thing. Don't be dissipated with wine or drunk with wine, but come and be drunk in the Spirit. Be filled up because it gives you peace and it gives you a sense of strength and vision and purpose and security when you do it. And it is a, a conduit by which you can emotionally engage the Spirit of God and feel Him and feel His presence. And then it doesn't matter. When you go through times and people say, I don't believe in God, you go, yeah, I've experienced God. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I don't just believe here anymore. I've experienced it. And that's what we want to move believers into a place where their faith is not just head knowledge, but it becomes knowledge and experience. And that kind of faith becomes unshakable. Amen. Thank you for listening in to The Refuge. For more information or podcasts, please visit myrefuge.ca.